This episode of the Zealous Podcast is sponsored by Perform Better. Perform Better is the leader in functional training by supplying innovative products and top-notch education to trainers, coaches, and therapists. Check out the brand new Perform Better app designed for professionals who want to stay on top of their game. This free app features education from the world's best. You'll learn from industry leaders including Mike Boyle, Gray Cook, Sue Falzoni, Charlie Weincroft, and many more. Topics range from strength and conditioning, program design, nutrition, business, and marketing. Just go to performbetter.com. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Zealous Podcast. I'm Rocky Snyder, and, you know, we're getting near the end of football season. Super Bowl's right around the corner. And if there's one team that I just shiver when it comes to the Super Bowl, it's got to be, you guessed it, the New York Giants. Because <laughs> they're just a monkey on our back. Whether it was 2007 and the undefeated season, I remember putting 19 reps on my workout board for clients. We're going to do 19 reps because that's how many games the Patriots are going to win, tying the 72 Dolphins. And wouldn't you know it, those damn Giants messed things up and we went 18 and one and didn't get the Super Bowl. And of course, a couple of years later, the same damn thing happened. So I don't even know why I'm bringing this guy on the show, but I'm doing it anyway. I'm just kidding. Steve Cadelli. Steve is the uh, one of the athletic trainers for the New York football giants. And he's agreed to be on the show to, to tell me just how wonderful those giants are. Steve. Uh, well, thanks, Rocky. I really appreciate you having me on, and uh, I consider it an honor and a privilege, just like I consider it an honor and a privilege to work for the New York Football Giants. I've been here a long time, and uh, I couldn't have uh, scripted a better scenario for myself and my family. Uh, my yeah, late- tell me, tell me your story. How did? Tell me this. Uh, yeah, this storybook kind of tale. How did? How do you get to be here? Well. Um, you always need help getting where where you are in, in life and i had some help getting here uh two friends of mine in athletic training when i was um graduating uh graduate school from the university of virginia i was looking for a position and uh, one of them knew that ronnie barnes my mentor of uh, uh since i've been here um he's uh he's a legend in the nfl he's a legend in athletic training and uh so he was opening a uh, sports medicine center and uh one of my friends knew him uh, and his friend had worked for him. So um, they were hiring an athletic trainer and he said, asked me if I was interested. And I said, sure, I'm interested. It's, uh, it's home. And um, so I interviewed for the position, got the position and hoped that maybe I would uh, someday be considered to be uh, an athletic trainer with the Giants. And uh, I said, I'll give myself five years. And if it doesn't happen, I'll, I'll probably go to physical therapy school. So lo and behold, five years go by. Meantime, I did stints in the, in the, World League of American Football, which was the predecessor to NFL Europe, if anyone remembers those two leagues. And then uh, I did some arena league, uh, uh, arena league athletic training. I was a head athletic trainer in both of those leagues. And then, uh, then I, you know, five years was approaching. So I applied and got into physical therapy school. And two days before I was supposed to start class, Ronnie Barnes hired me as one of his assistant athletic trainers. We were one of, I was one of three. Um, now I'm one of six. So that's how much we've grown in our, as an organization. And that's how much we've grown in athletic training professions. So all good there. Well, has, has it grown because of the demand for the athletic trainers, you know, in, in regards to injury or why, why is there from three to six, why an increase in athletic trainers? It's grown primarily because of both reasons. Uh, need. We've gone to obviously a more hands-on approach, uh, more of a one-on-one approach as well, even when we're not hands-on. 
And, uh, but it's also grown in the amount of responsibilities that we have. I mean, we have so many issues in the NFL with, with different um, uh, concussion committees, foot and ankle, you know, you name it. We have so many committees and so many responsibilities. Our responsibilities have gone from, you know, I would say they've increased dramatically, both from a, uh, from a, uh, uh, obviously a job pers- uh, performance type of uh, responsibility, but for, for bookkeeping type as well, as far as the notes we keep. And, and, and it's just a, a, just a year long job. Uh, we go 12 months a year and we work every day from, um, from the start of training camp until the end of the season, seven days a week. You might get a day or two off during the bye week but this year we'd come in and get tested every year. So it was a, a different kind of year, which I'm sure you'll touch on. But I got to give a shout out to all my guys and, you know, starting with our two PT ATCs, Lee Weiss and Justin Marr, and then uh, ATCs like myself and Mike Baum, Phil Bazario, and I've already mentioned Ronnie Barnes and then Mike Dunn. And we have a part-time PT ATC as well. So we have a large staff and uh, we do have a lot of respect among the players, among the athletic trainers in the league. And I really think we give them uh, really, really good care. Wow. Now. For those may not familiar with the lettering, PTA is a physical therapy assistant, correct? Uh, it's PT slash ATC, uh, physical ah. slash athletic trainer certified. So, um, yeah, we have two on staff here. We have three actually with one part-time. And then uh, we have three athletic trainers, Ronnie, myself, or four, my, Ronnie, myself, Mike Baum, and Phil Bazario. So all good stuff. All good stuff. And, you know, we get along really, really well. And we all work together to achieve the common goal of uh, who comes first, the athlete. So let's put the athlete, uh, you know, we may not always agree on everything, but there's a thousand ways to skin a cat, as we know. And uh, we're all professionals and we all, have, you know, we're all up and we challenge each other. We work with each other. It's, it's, it's a very good setting. Now, what's interesting, too, is that often with with any professional sports team, there's turnover between the players and the coaches. However, when it comes to your department, I, that that's not necessarily the case either. I mean, how many years have you been with the Giants? I'm fortunate enough to just finish my 29th season and uh, going into number 30 this year. Yeah, I mean, it's that's a tough crazy. Place. Yeah, it's a very hard place to leave. It's a, it's a great organization. And, and the Giants, if you're a good employee, they take care of you. And that's the mark of a great franchise. And it's known among the league as to be one of the best franchises. Now, you know, obviously I'm biased because I've been here only. But when athletic trainers move from team to team or, or players come from team to team, they always tell us that or when former players come back, this was the best place I've been to because they really get taken care of here. We take care of our players. Ownership takes care of our staff. We have great management, so uh, it all works out really, really well. Uh, like I said, I'm from here and, uh, you know, raised my family here. And uh, so it's a special place and um, I can't say enough good things about it. But yes, uh, athletic trainers now are it's very, very rare that someone's been, on, been with this same team for that amount of time. I mean, Ronnie, my boss has been here for 40 plus years and uh, he does a great job. And, uh, you know, we all follow his lead and, and uh, put ourselves, you know, um, we basically set the standard high and try to, to hit that standard every day. So um, it's, it's all good. But um, uh, the amount of uh, what's the word I'm looking for, there's not as much uh, consistency in athletic training as you would like. Athletic trainers now are losing their jobs for no apparent reason, but a head coaching change. So those are things that you're not going to see here at the New York Giants as long as we do a great job. 
Wow. Now, what are some of the benchmarks? I mean, 30 years you have, and so you have, uh, honestly, you've, you've worked on several Super Bowl champion teams now. I would yeah. four, four teams that four times you guys have gone and, and won. No, Super Bowl? I, I came in my first full-time year here was 1992. Uh, 92. My first Super Bowl was uh, 2000, which we lost and uh, never thought we'd lose that game. We were on a roll. I think we won the NFC Championship game 41 nothing beat the Vikings who were fa favored even though we were the home team and um, but hey, the Rams. that's why you play them so uh, uh, and then fortunate enough to go back in 07 and that's a very very special memory for me and my family and obviously the New York Giants and the New York Giants fans so sorry Rocky uh, there's you know, to be something going on with our connection here I, I don't know well, <laughs> don't worry I'll edit it out <laughs> But to be a part of that team was really, really special. And, and I'll, those memories will last forever from that year. And then to do it again in 2011 um, was really, really special too. I mean, anytime you make the Super Bowl, it's, it's always great to be the last team standing. And I've done it twice in my career and feel very, very fortunate and privileged. And I try not to take anything for granted. Um, but yeah, those are two special memories we have right there. Um, as far as the job and how it's evolved, if that's what you're asking me. Yeah, what are the benchmarks? Like over the last 30 years, since 92, what are, in, in terms of athletic training, obviously we've got the concussion protocol, which it must be up there in benchmarks and how it's reformed the approach with athletic training and, and players, but other things, you include that for sure, but what are some of the benchmarks? Well, let me just tell you, when I was uh, hired, he was looking, uh, one of the primary components, he had a really good uh, PTATC named Mike Ryan and went on to be the head trainer in Jacksonville for a lot of years. And um, so he said, I want you to revolutionize our, our record keeping system. And it's, it's, it's pretty much archaic. It was really pen and pencil. So I took it upon myself to re research it. And for the first half of my career, I built the program for what we used here at the Giants as far as uh, our, our injury tracking, our combine injury tracking, uh, inventory. So I took it upon myself to, I couldn't find something that would match our needs. So I built our own, um, you know, using visual basic applications, Microsoft access, that kind of stuff. And that served true for a long time. Um, and then we started hiring other staff members. So I started to give up some of the duties. Uh, I had many, many duties. I think uh, I've, I've done every role in our department um including drug testing concussion uh the list goes on and on because we had a smaller staff but as we grew i could give up some of those tasks to our younger athletic trainers while i concentrated on more on rehab which is what i really really like and continue to this day so um for the last half of my career i've gone more of a rehab route now i'm almost exclusively rehab which makes me feel good i'm i'm kind of the older guy obviously no i am the older guy besides ronnie <laughs> and um so so i spend a lot of my time just in in research and stuff now i still have other duties um i still handle our, our drug testing program and a few other things but um it's been really nice and that's the the, the good part about having a larger staff is that we can all have certain roles, but we all, all can probably step into each other's roles in the absence of someone else. So it's, it's a really, really good system that we have in place as far as uh, job delineations, job responsibilities. And yet we work together, but yet we have our separate uh, components and uh, we all have a hand in rehabilitation because let's face it, you wanna do things that make you feel important. And the bottom line we're here 
is we're here for the players and they come first. They always come first. And what, so, so just taking a part in a long-term rehabilitation, whether it's an ACL or a shoulder or whatever, and seeing that player go from the time of surgery to the time you put them back on the field is a special feeling, especially when they're successful. So yeah, I think that's the most important thing we do. We always have to keep the player number one, but we have a lot of different responsibilities and a lot of different roles in order to get us there. So you must have just streamlined communication with the, the other professionals that support the athletes from the skills coaches to the strength coaches to, to uh, maybe performance uh, uh, coordinator. I, yeah. I, you must have regular weekly meetings, if not more than once a week, to discuss all the players and, and their status. Is, am I accurate in saying that? You are very accurate. We actually meet almost every day with our strength and conditioning staff, with our nutritionist, um, a few other peoples are involved where we go over each and every injury, each and every guy we're treating, whether they're practicing or playing or not, all of our long-term IR guys, we, we meet basically four to five days per week, um, always on practice days to discuss. And we work together with our strength coaches. And that's what makes it great as well as they share a part of our rehabilitation program or, or reconditioning, I should say, or performance when they get to that level. And we have some very bright people here who have great ideas and, and great concepts and, and great principles. And we, uh, we work with them, we share the information and we work together. And uh, it's always seemed to work for us. You know, we've had different strength coaches and, and I know that's a, that's, that's a problem with, with a lot of teams and probably a lot of colleges as well, but here it's never been an issue. We've always had great relationships because we keep an open mind. And as I said, there's many ways to get it done. And as long as we're safe and as long as it's um, uh, legal, <laughs> then, then we're good. So uh, yeah, it's just a, like a great working relationship. I mean, look at behind me. This, I get to see this every day in my life and how many people get to do that. So again, and not only do I get to do it, it's in my own backyard where I grew up, maybe 10 minutes north of here. So it's, it's, it's a really special place and I can't say enough and I'll try not to uh, overemphasize that. <laughs> yeah, now for those watching along with the video, where you're sitting right now is is uh, something that's pretty new to the Giants organization. Uh, you tell me you, you built it because of COVID and, and or is that correct? Well, no, no, no. Well, this is our indoor. Uh, oh. So, yeah, this is our indoor. So behind me, see the green, there's our field. So what we had to do for COVID, I came out here because it's quiet now. Obviously, there's no, there's no players in here right now. Um, what we had to do for COVID in order to, to uh, be in sync with the policies and the procedures, we had to build meeting rooms. We built meeting rooms and we built a separate uh, strength and conditioning room behind me in addition to the one we have inside our facility because we can only accommodate, I believe it was 15 players per per session. So we, we actually built another weight room here. They put in meeting rooms, which are in front of me, which you can't see. Uh, so we almost took half of our indoor, but that's okay because coach judge, he doesn't like to practice inside. So, so uh, we're outside every day, which is good. I agree with that too. You know, you got to harden up these guys a little bit, but uh, so uh, that's where I am right now. Uh, it was nice and quiet. So I figured we'd get it done right here. So when you say you've got only so many guys that you can get in at a time, I imagine it's probably position specific. So you get the linemen, O-line and D-line together, and then you get the, the running backs, cornerbacks, and wide receivers together. Is that 
Is that yeah, kind of I along believe, the line? I believe so. Um, um, what he'll does is he'll like big, medium, and little guys or something like that. Man, I'm drawing a blank on his saying. Our strength coach, it was a good one. And I can't just remember right now. Does, does that carry over into, into the rehab and athletic training? Obviously, you're going to get individuals with specific injuries, but do you, do you somehow group them together? Or is it all? Athletic training and treatment? Uh, we yeah. generally, no, we group, we group them all at once. So uh, we have specific times and, you know, most of our treatments start during the season at 630, although we'll get guys that come in earlier than that. Um, and uh, so we're in usually by quarter to six, six or something like that, probably six, now that I'm getting older. But, uh, and then, so we'll have a formal treatment from 630 to 738, and then they start their day with meetings and whatnot. We'll, we'll get on the field about one o'clock and practice about three, 330, and, uh, then we'll back in there and for more meetings and then we'll have an, another treatment. Although we treat them during the days during breaks. So it, it, it's a constant, um, um, type of, um, how could I say it? We have, we have two or three specific times they be that they come in the athletic training room, but if they get out of a meeting, sometimes they'll come in. So we treat them all day. Basically. You you're there from six in the morning till past six at night. We're in the season right around six, I would say. Okay. On our heavy days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday's a little, maybe Monday as well. So um, the days are long, I, and that's what we accept. And, um, you know, my family, I've been blessed. I've had a great family. They all love what I do. They never wanted me to change my jobs. I love what I do. I love the people I work with. And uh, so it always worked. Now, that's not, I mean, that stated, it does like by November, December, especially when, when the team is not as successful, things start wearing down on you. So it is a grind. I mean, it's a grind. At the end of the season, you're tired. You're tired from, you know, working long days, long hours. Um, but in the same sense, I don't think I change anything as far as uh, what I'm doing in life. And uh, it's all good. And now we're obviously in postseason, just a week away from officially the off season. What does that mean to your work schedule? How does that change for you? It doesn't change much. <laughs> We've been in every day because um, we have we have we're the one department that has guys coming in. We're doing post-op surgeries uh, right now. We're doing some uh, rehabilitations that that did not require surgery. Um, so these guys are in every day, um, and it's it's it, it's part of the job, and you just accept it. Uh, we don't work as many hours as the coaches. They work ungodly hours during the season. Um, but we certainly put in our time. They're all off now, which is, which is the right thing to do. We'll get a little bit of time maybe in February, March, uh, and then probably not until July when things slow down again. So we do have some downtime. But the offseason, people always say, what do you do in the offseason? Well, it, it's the only thing we really don't play is games in the off season. We practice, we strength train, we re, we do everything that we do during the season with the exception of playing games. We have a long spring season from, for our, our off season program starts in mid April now and goes to mid to the end of June. Um, but even prior to that, we have players in from February, and March. So um, it is a full-time 12 month a year position. Uh, and that's what it takes. And, you know, it's, it, I've seen a lot of athletic trainers think it's for them. We have a lot of students come in, and by the time they finish training camp or something, no, I don't want to do this. <laughs> you know, so because uh, it's long, long hours. But if you love what you do, things go a little bit faster and a little bit easier for you. Yeah. So I'd love to talk about the 
the variety of injuries that you're addressing with the players. Uh, obviously, there's some m injuries that are more common than others. What yeah. are the, the most common ones that you're continually having to deal with? Lower extremities, ankles, knees, primarily. Um, let's face it, this is a violent game and uh, players are bigger, faster, stronger each year. And every year we, 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 we run studies and we try to figure out why and why more and more players are getting hurt. And it's a work in progress. I think it'll always be a work in progress. But the bottom line is we have high collision, high type of uh, contact injuries. And so we see primarily ankles, knees, but we see our share of shoulders. We see our share of, of every body part imaginable. Um, and the, the average NFL player, he's gonna suffer I'm just guesstimating five, six injuries over his career that, that have lost time. Um, and that's just a guesstimate, but most of them probably more. So um, we, we deal with um, a lot of different situation scenarios. We're all trained in emergency medicine in case we have head neck trauma, in case we have uh, something, something that's uh, an emergency. So, so it, uh, it, we have to be ready at it. 24 hours a day where we make ourselves available because we guys get sick, those kind of things. They call you in the middle of the night um, and we take care of them. So it's really around the clock position. Yeah, I imagine it would be. I'm curious if there's any players that pop into your memory, whether recent or past, where you took them from just post acute injury back to return to play in maybe a, a, a condensed amount of time and, and they went on to just do amazing things. Yeah, yeah well, I'm not allowed to sp speak about any specific player, but there's been many examples. Um, and the ones that come back really are really, really focused. They, you know, it's funny because we have some players over the years, and this is just general, that when they get hurt, it's almost a relief because it's such a mental stress. Um, and then we have those players who we like to see, they're really pissed off. They're really upset when they get hurt. Um, and so we've had both kind of more of the second type where they're just pissed off and then they, they have to reset things and focus and you help them with their focus and, and just say, we're going to take it day by day. And you learn and you develop what the greatest things I do is when we do a one-on-one -on -one rehab, we really bond with that athlete. So the, one of the first things I always tell them is like, I'm your new best friend. And um, I'm your, your biggest fan and I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And let's get this done together. I always include the player to be an integral part of his rehabilitation, meaning that they know their body a hell of a lot better than I do. And I can point them in the right direction and I can guide them. But most of the work, all of the work is done by them. So if we have this, and you have to gain their trust, number one. So that's how we kind of warm up and develop their trust. And as the months go by, and as the progressions are being made, it just becomes a really, really good situation. Now, obviously, sometimes they have some setbacks, something, sometimes they doesn't go as, as well as they want, but you guide them and you keep working towards that goal of returning them to full speed, full, full strength, speed, power, whatever components we're trying to all the components we're trying to uh, return them to. And it's really when it comes to fruition, I mean, you're a little nervous when they all go back in there and you're like, oh my gosh, please don't get hurt. Please don't get hurt. <laughs> you know? But they're predominantly ready. 
And we don't just throw them back in. We have this graded gradual approach where, where we'll start with just maybe warm up and then we'll put them into warm up and, and what we call individuals. And then they'll do some seven on seven, maybe some nine on seven, that kind of thing. And then we'll throw them into a little bit team. So it's not just, okay, you're ready, go back 100%. So, and that's for our long-term cases, but even our short-term guys, we do that as well too. So it's, it's, a, uh, it's a work in progress. And then even after they go back in, then it continues to be a work in progress because uh, we need to maintain those levels of strength, speed, power, in addition to uh, trying to build on those levels, depending on what our goals are specifically during that time. Now, come game time, you're down on the sidelines with the rest of the athletic trainers. Am I right in saying that? That is correct. Yes. And so when, when something goes on in the field and you see guys rushing out to the player, that's you and the rest of the team. Yeah. What we do is we rotate who goes out there and which works out well, gives everybody a little bit of chance to just to, to, uh, to get out there and then obviously um, take care of the injured athletes. So we, we generally send two or three athletic trainers and one physician out there. And uh, that seems to work best for us. Uh, they evaluate, bring them back to the sideline, then the physicians uh, evaluate a little bit more and make a decision whether that athlete can go back to return go back and return or they're done for the day. Uh, in case of the concussions, obviously, you know, if it's a suspected concussion, they go right in the blue tent. And then uh, we have a whole uh, program that we follow that we we're, we're, need to be in compliance with. And one of our other athletic trainers, don't ask me about it because one of our other athletic trainers, Justin Marr, does a fantastic job with that. And uh, um, so, so that's basically how, how we work it. Um, and then if the athlete needs something special tape job or something like that, then we take care of that before we return them. And uh, we just make sure it's safe for that athlete to go back. Yeah, I'm, I am curious when it comes to concussions and subconcussive impacts, like is there a weekly screening of athletes, of the team members, or is it just by incident based, you know, is it there's a, baseline, yeah, there's a baseline test that we do every year. At the beginning of the year, we repeat this baseline test, and then we don't need to repeat it unless they suffer a some type of, if they have a clinical um, evaluation, even if they don't, uh, even if they're able to return or they're, they're, they're deemed that they don't have a concussion, we still follow up uh, with that test. So uh, again, it's a step-by-step -step procedure, uh, whether they, they have this concussion or not, uh, but basically anyone, anyone, and concussions obviously are a very, very, um, I shouldn't say touchy subject, but we, we really, any, in, in anyone who's basically comes with any type of symptoms, any type, even, you know, we have the ATCs in the sky that they look at the, uh, they look at each play as well. So any hard hit, we're gonna evaluate if they have any type of symptoms, we take them in the tent. So we try to stay on top of it. I, again, think we do a great job with our concussion program because we have some really good people in that department as far as physicians and athletic trainers. We have uh, um, two or three guys that are responsible for that as well. So again, it's, it's a collaborative effort between athletic trainers, medical professionals, and MDs. Yeah, I was curious about that. Obviously, when we're talking about professional sports is where you're going to get the, the creme de la creme, the top of their profession, because uh, many teams can afford such things. So uh, interesting that you've got your athletic trainers watching every single play for something of that nature. Do you, yeah. So 
I'm curious, you know, how the coaches will review game footage on Monday morning or Tuesday, whenever the time is, and then looking at, of course, the upcoming games and so on. Do you guys do the same as athletic trainers and team physicians? Do you look at game footage, but with a different lens? With a different lens. We primarily look at individual plays where athletes get hurt. Now we have fortunate right on our sideline. One of our team physicians is responsible for, for um, looking at the play right after they get hurt. So we have the feed from, from wherever it comes from that he's able to analyze the play right after it happened. Just to give us a bit, little bit more input, a little bit more direction on what may be happening here. And uh, then we usually review that play throughout the week as well. So we'll go back and look at it and look at it and look at it. It just gives you another piece of the puzzle to figure out exactly what's going on. But it's, it's, it's technology, so it's really, really nice to have. Oh, I imagine. I, so I wasn't aware of that. That's really quite cool to get a little bit more in-depth information. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned concussions, especially with concussions, to see where he's been hit. Has he been hit in the head? Has his head hit the ground? That kind of thing. So it really, really is a good tool that we use um, for most every injury that is suffered. Now, it, it hasn't been very long, only a few seasons, as, as I can recall. Maybe it's more because you, you lose track of time, but you guys have your treatment tent or your assessment tent on the sidelines there. And that, what is, I mean, obviously a purpose is to just be kind of out of all the, the visual environment that's going on and, and give them a place that's a little bit quieter or just out of the way. But what, what is the true purpose? Uh, are there other purposes about having the tent on the sidelines? As far as I'm concerned, it's, it's a private place to do a private examination. I mean, let's face it, it is a medical examination and we needed a place where that could be done privately that is close to the sidelines. So I think it was developed at the University of Alabama and uh, who now markets it. And uh, it was a great idea because uh, every concussion that we have is required to go in there. Again, for a sense of privacy, uh, for HIPAA regulations or what have you, I'm not sure, but uh, we tend to take most of our major injuries in there, in that tent, or we'll just quickly evaluate them and bring them right into the locker room. So that's, I believe, what the purpose for that is. Sure, and you get the cameras out of your face too. I'm sure that's helpful. Correct, correct. They're waiting outside. (laughs) (laughs) Do you, over the course of the years you've been doing this, how has that been with, with the media and the cameramen? Has it gotten less intrusive? Is it about the same? You just don't pay attention to it? What's, what's going on with that? That last one, I, I don't pay attention to that because um, I myself do not speak with the media. That's done by our head athletic trainer, senior vice president, Ronnie Barnes again. Um, so it's, it's a good deal. I don't have to deal with them. If they ask me a question, I just say I can't answer anything. Um, but as social media has grown, so has the, the awareness on the sidelines, so has the amount of cameras. You see game days now, we have cameras everywhere. So we have much more camera presence. So again, uh, the tent and, and bring them into locker room just gives you a private type of uh, place to, to conduct a medical examination. So I know one of my kids is very interested in doing exactly what you're doing. She wants to be a physical therapist, athletic trainer, Maybe delve into the world that I'm in with strength conditioning. I'm curious about your own kids. Are you seeing that? (laughs) That's good. Well, I have three great kids and uh, Ryan, Leah, and Mary, and um, they're all special in their own way, as 
most kids are. Um, the one who has followed my suit is uh, Ryan so far, but he's on physical therapy school. He was a football player at a Division three school, and uh, he liked what I did, and uh, uh, he applied, and, and now he's in his third and last year of physical therapy school. So he's probably going to start working in a clinic. He's actually at the UFC right now. Um, working through some contract issues before he can start his last clinical affiliation out in Las Vegas. So that's a great opportunity. I hope it works out for him. And then uh, my middle one, Leah, she is a uh, in her last year at James Madison, and she's going to be a teacher. So uh, she's going to be the best teacher in the world because she has a heart of gold. And then my youngest, Mary, very special. She's, she's, she's like her, her late mom, who was a uh, great artist. So she's kind of following her footsteps and uh, doing some amazing things in art. So I've been blessed with a great family, um, great kids who, who their mom taught well and, and established a great foundation before she passed. And then, uh, so my job's been pretty easy, um, um, you know, all in all, uh, trying to maintain this job and the kids, they, they, they made it easier, a lot easier for me. They, they, they like to take care of dad, I think more than dad takes care of them, but that's, <laughs> they're all good, just like your kids. But um, if you're asking me what route to take, uh, I recommend, I think the best route still is a what I described earlier, a PTATC, Physical Therapist Athletic Trainer Certified. And, and they've made that a little bit harder because athletic training will, is now a master's level program. In the past, you can get a bachelor's degree in athletic trainer and go on and get your physical therapy um, license or become a physical therapist and then and go into master's level athletic training. But um, it, they made it a little bit more difficult. So, uh, you know, obviously you need a bachelor's, master's, and then PT school. So uh, it, it's a big time commitment, but it's still, it kind of separates you from the pack. I mean, I'm sort of old school in that I've been doing this a lot of years. And uh, I think I, my rehab skills are, are, are really good. They have to be good to, in order to stay here for this long. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but it's just the way it is. You, you have your, you just have to keep up and you just have to I read all, constantly about how to become better uh, athletic trainer and rehabilitation specialist and uh, apply what I what do I read and, and I still talk to people I learn from anyone I don't care how old you are I learn from you know really really young and really really old people as well so it's it's a work in progress as most professions and, and like you said before it evolves as the years go by and you just collect information and you, you process that and you, you apply what you do and you you hope for the best and I still don't have all the answers. I never will. And I never claim to matter of fact, I still think I have so much to learn and I've been doing this for 30 years. And uh, so, so, but the physical therapist slash athletic trainer uh, certification is great. So, but you know, you're seeing a lot more strength coaches get their PT license now as well. So that's a great Avenue, a little bit, I, I don't want to use the term easier, but it, you need a bachelor's degree to take your CSCS as, you know, I, I got my CSCS, uh, I don't know how long ago, but, um, and then they go to physical therapy school and or vice versa, they go to physical therapy school and then they, they sit for the CSCS exam. So um, that's another great route. And I would encourage uh, students to do as much as they can to separate themselves from the pack. Um, and those are both two ways to do it. Yeah, I'm sure there's quite a few people that are gonna benefit from that. Some young aspiring up and coming talent there. Now, when it comes to the athletic training world, the, the 
the NFL itself, or maybe even other professional sports, obviously you have NATA, National Athletic Training Association, but within the NFL, uh, do, you, do you guys have an organization where you meet on an annual or some type of basis where all the athletic trainers from all 32 teams are 32, yeah, 32 teams are going to Yes, we do. It's another great organization called the Professional Football Athletic Trainer Society. I don't think way back when, when they uh, started it, the NFL would let them put their name on it. Um, so it's always been the Professional Football Athletic Trainer Society, and it's some dedicated, hardworking athletic trainers who have done an amazing job in advancing our profession with what we do in the NFL. And again, that's a work in progress. And um, we meet once a year at the NFL Combine, and we have a three-day session and we divide that up into an educational session we divide that up uh, and then we have a uh, uh, obviously a business type meeting session and then we also have uh, like a vendor show all that stuff so the first three days we're out there we're meeting uh, they also meet the executive board meets and it's gone from you know a collection of guys in one room to our, I think our memberships I don't know between 150 and 160 or 70 uh, people right now, but they, they do, we have committees, we have, um, just do a lot of charity work as well. We give scholarships. So, uh, we've really grown and, and the people who have run it and have really, really dedicated athletic trainers to, to advancing us as well as the field, as well as, you know, giving back to, to education and scholarships and that kind of stuff. Well, this is where one area I can see that greatly differs probably from the, the coaching staff, because a lot of coaches uh, will still this day are not going to want to reveal a lot of information because it's all about the W. But with the athletic trainers, yeah. it's all about the player, right? It's, it's, it's all about the athlete. And I can't imagine athletic trainers trying to not share insight, education, information, experience. Uh, do, Oh, as far as advancing your, your yourself, yeah, we share like, like uh, you know, I spoke about you. How hopefully maybe in the future giving an address to the athletic trainer. So, just because I don't know if, you know, who else. Uh, obviously, there's there's a bunch of athletic trainers who know who you are, but um, you have an area of expertise that that we we uh, a lot of people, including myself, until I found you and Gary Ward, that just opened my eyes to all these different things. I'm like, how come I didn't know this before in terms of, uh, you know, lower lower and upper body biomechanics and walking gait and, and, and so many different things. And, and you present it in ways that's really, really understandable. And I said to myself, this is this is perfect for, for our membership to, to have an, an educational session. So obviously with COVID, things are different this year, but, um, you know, they'll plan again for, for another year. But uh, so, yeah, we're always sharing information, always uh, like to me, it's it's like, OK, when I find something new and think it's 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 a great idea, the first thing I do is share it with my staff. Now, some may agree, some may disagree, but that's OK. You know, <laughs> again, we, we do things differently, but the goal is always to take care of the player first. And we're always looking for ways. And, and if we don't provide what the players want, they're going to go somewhere else. So we find that we we. Uh, we keep a lot of guys in house because, because we do a really good job with them and, and we're up on everything and we're try to be, but again, we, we're, in, we never know everything. Like, I can't believe it took me this long to find you guys. And I was like, damn, why didn't I find you guys earlier? <laughs> but uh, so that's it. Yeah. It's, it's athletic trainers, a small fraternity, athletic training, as far as the NATA is a small fraternity too. And uh, 
So there's a lot of, lot of connections, a lot of people's connected with other people in so many ways. And, and it's a, a caring profession. I mean, it's really, really a, a really nice field if you enjoy sports and like the medical profession. Um, the only downside I tell people is that you're gonna work when most people are off. And if you're, if you're okay with that, then you're gonna have a really nice career. And just be humble, be kind. We can teach you the skills, but you just have to be a good person first and you'll be a very good athletic trainer. Oh man, uh, yeah, I just, I, I so just appreciate you as a person and everything that you've shared because I, you know, sincerely, you can tell you're coming from the heart. You're, you've, you've been gifted with not only a wonderful family, uh, beautiful kids and, and they're on a, a wonderful path themselves and pursuing where their passions and, and where did they get that from of course but from your from your experience and, and example but you 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 have something that you're doing with passion and therefore it's not a job it's not actually it's not work it may be a job but it's not work it's 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 I don't know if you could really call it work so much as it's uh, just what it is that you love doing so come, yeah Come December, it, it, it becomes more work generally. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I go out on the field every day, and the special moments are, are when, when, you, when it really hits you, like you're standing on the 50-yard line of MetLife Stadium during a practice, and we started practicing more in the stadium this year uh, in inclement weather, which was a good thing. And, and, you know, you're sitting in that empty stadium, and you're like, golly, I, I still can't believe I'm here. And this is just like, it's just, it's, it's everything I wanted to do. I mean, I started out college as a business major because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I grew up an athlete. I played every sport known growing up. I played three sports in high school, played hockey on when I could and that kind of stuff. I, football, wrestling, baseball, and swam and dove in the summertime was a lifeguard, all that stuff. And I still couldn't figure out what I did. Someone at, someone, one of my friends, halfway through my freshman year in college says, I think I want to be an athletic trainer. And I'm like, what? No one had athletic trainers back then. I go, how do you do that? And I immediately was like, I got to do that. And I wound up transferring schools, even though I loved the play school I was at. And, and uh, you know, I mean, I was, it was a nice school. I was playing on their hockey club, which was good. And then I transferred to Division One hockey school. So I uh, started wrestling on that club because that's what I could do and, and was in the athletic training program. And uh, everything kind of clicked for me. And, and you know, you, you, you need some breaks and I got them and, uh, but you need to have the tools and you need to, to stay up on the tools in order to stay in this business. So uh, it's been a great ride. Oh man. I just, you know, you mentioned the empty field there too. And I guess we'd be remiss not talking a little bit about how COVID has, has changed some things, but I gotta say, Steve, the NFL didn't change all that much when you compare it to so many other sports. Like you didn't have to go to a bubble city and stay in the same hotel for weeks on end playing series against others. You didn't have to condense your season from, you know, from 19, 20 weeks with the bye. But with those weeks, you didn't have to cut it down to half or even like 12 weeks. I take that back. You know, preseason was cut down. So there was a little bit there, but uh, fortunately, the NFL, with with some exceptions like not having fans in the stands for many of the games, uh, it, it didn't necessarily seem as touched by COVID. But you are there, so you would have to tell me if if that is really true. I mean, how did how has it changed this particular season for you? 
Well, it changed in many ways. And obviously, looking at each game on Sunday, the biggest way was there's no fans at the game. So, um, which, which it, it made you appreciate fans so much more because fans bring that energy. They bring that passion. They bring that that just juice that that really gets you going especially for the home games but the away games as well so I think everyone really missed fan presence at the game uh, it changed on a daily basis as far as COVID was concerned because we had to completely uh, change our facility and the way we did things obviously social distancing mask wearing all and a very important part of what we did and um, the, the people responsible here at the Giants did an amazing job in, in in scheduling testing we get tested every day every day which was a great thing um, in my opinion uh, we still we only had a few cases and they were handled um, appropriately and uh, it just they made it work. And I questioned it from day one in my head, how is this going to work? And it was some trying times, not so much in, in terms of, um, of mental stress for me or anything like that, but just how are they going to work through specific scenarios as far as meeting rooms, as far as locker rooms, as far as uh, living arrangements, all those things that had to be considered. And I just think they did a great job, the NFL, because let's we have one game left. Then well, where are we? We're at the Super Bowl, and every game was played, whether it was rescheduled, whether it was scheduled on time. I think they did a great job. Of course, I'm biased because I'm within, but the Giants spent millions, it seemed like, in order to get the facility that we needed to get in order to be, you know, to do the things that they needed to do to, to, to put a quality product on the field. So. Well, a remarkable job. Honestly, I'm, I'm not trying to say that you weren't affected by any means. Obviously, you're greatly affected, just like everybody else. And, and I guess that just proves how much hard work went into keeping the machine operating and running as smoothly as it could. Because I, I've been there every weekend, every Sunday or every Tuesday, every now and then, you know, or a Thursday night. It's, honestly, it was kind of nice to actually watch of, of an NFL game on a Tuesday night, having two games on a Monday. I'm like, yeah, yeah. it opened up my Sunday like you would not believe. It was uh, fabulous. That's good. I well, I would wish another season like this past season, but uh, uh, yeah, you guys did a remarkable job. And I, I know you got a whole bunch of things to do today. And I just want to thank you for, for taking some time and, and just sharing the the behind the scenes look at what the New York football giants are all about. And, and uh, I, it's going to take a big man and I only stand five something. So I don't know if I can do, but I'm going to wish you good luck next season. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Yeah, at least yeah, you're a humble guy, you know, and I'm, you know, you're a humble guy. So uh, <laughs> I just, I just wish we had that shot against Tom Brady in the playoffs this year. I know our record didn't dictate it, but uh, it would have been nice for him to walk in our stadium one more time. I got to tell you, I was nervous when, you know when it was between you and the Washington football team. I didn't think I'd be rooting for Washington quite right. as hard as I did, but the thought right. of Tom going up to face the Giants, I just, it's a Pavlovian response that I don't <laughs> think I can ever overcome. Well, I can't blame you, but uh, you know what? They're a great team, Patriots, and now Tom is um, obviously on the, the Buccaneers, but he's got to be the greatest of all time to do what he's yeah. doing. 43 Unbelievable. Getting to his 10th Super Bowl. Amazing, so kudos to him. Yeah, and you know it's not lost on me, the fact that you have your Super Bowl banners right over your shoulder in the video here. I don't see no banners. 
What are you, you talking could, about, Rocky? You could put on any other background. You could have had like Miami Vice or or a Hawaiian scene, but you had to put that. Well, that's yeah, all right. Yeah, you know, I had to rub it in a little bit. Though. That's all right. That's what Photoshop's for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Steve, it's been great. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Rocky. I really appreciate you having me, and uh, God bless. And uh, really, again, just thanks. <clears throat> Well, there you go. You went and did it again. You listened to another episode of the Zealous Podcast, and good for you. If you like it, make sure you subscribe, share it with others, you know, spread the love. Thanks, Steve Canelli with the New York Giants for coming on and being with me this week. If you missed Emily Zaylor last week, the strength conditioning coach for the Denver Broncos, make sure you click on the link and, and definitely want to listen in there. Now, next week, I've got Scott Hammond former NHL defenseman who played over a thousand games, mainly with the San Jose Sharks. Now he's commentating for him. So we're going to kind of get a little inside view of what it's like to be a color commentator for the NHL. Until next time, have a great one.